Celebrating the connection with our pets, this is Animal Radio, featuring your dream team, veterinarian Dr. Debbie White and groomer Joey Villani. And here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. And welcome. I think it's another overbooked show, I might say. It's a really big one. It is a big one. Toll free one eight six six four zero five eight four zero five to reach out to Dr. Debbie or to Joey Villani right now and ask your questions about your pets. On the show today, from the animals you may remember and war, Eric Burden. Ooh, the singer, huh? The singer will be joining us today wow. right here on Animal Radio. You're probably asking, what does he have to do with animals? Yes. You'll just have to wait and okay. find out. Well, I mean, obviously, he was in a band called The Animals. Yes, but that, he was. that is not the connection <laughs> in this particular case. Now, I've been instructed not to ask him about the song House of the Rising Sun. They just sent Why me. not? I love that song. I play it on my piano. Oh, mother, tell your children. It's like one of my favorites. Yeah, and, it's, and if you play guitar, it's one of the you're first songs. You're probably not supposed to tell everyone that you're not supposed yes, to ask Cal, about that. You just, you just blew it. I wasn't supposed to mention that. A little that. behind the scenes information. Huh? Yes, that should have stayed behind the scenes. I don't think it's a big secret. It, it actually was in his last book. He apparently didn't get writing credits for that, uh, for the uh, House of the Rising Sun. And so he never made any royalties off of it. Every oh, band in the world wow. has, has played it. So I won't ask him about that. That's too bad. But I will ask him about his animals and why he's calling us. Because uh, that's I'm curious about that right now. Also on the show today, we're going to have Alan Cookback, the inventor of the Brilliant Pad, who was on Shark Tank last week. Did you see that? I did. That was awesome. Truly amazing. And, of course, uh, he did get funded. I'll tell you that right now. I believe uh, Lori Grenier gave him a half million dollars. Wow. To promote Ooh. the Brilliant Pad. So for you 12 listeners that we gave Brilliant Pads to <laughs> a month ago, you're on the cutting edge of animal and pet technology here at Animal Radio. We're so proud to, to know Alan. So he'll be on. He'll tell us his experience on Shark Tank. Because I've always wondered, you know, it goes by within like five to seven minutes. Yeah. But it, apparently it takes a long time to film those segments. We're going to find out. Nerve wracking. Exactly what that was all about. Lori, what are you working on over in the newsroom? Um, well, since you're talking about Alan uh-huh. and um, dogs doing their, their duty on, what are they called now? It's, a, it's called a brilliant pad. It's like an automatic a brilliant pad. pad. Yeah. Very cool. Um, I hear you can, you know, roll those up like a sausage, pass them around and smoke them. Yes. You're not sure if that's true, though? You, you don't want to do that. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, I have a story for you where um, there there's also maybe another option for, for dogs going potty. Ooh. As in, yeah, something similar to what cats use. Oh, litters, which is something I think, you know... <laughs> Uh, my dog, I, I should have trained my dog to use a cat litter because I hear more and more people are using them. But we're going to find yeah. out the details in just a few minutes with Lori Brooks. First, it's all about you. one 405 8405 And we go to Joanne. Hey, Joanne, how are you doing? Oh, hey, I'm doing fine. Sorry to keep you on hold for so long. Phones are going, they're burning white hot over here, but you're up. What's going on? Well, you know, we've got a great uh, cat. And we're trying to uh, train her uh, on a leash, and we're wondering if you have any uh, tips that you can share with us. 
Okay, sure. Well, I gotta commend you. That's, uh, for some kitties, that's a big undertaking. For others, especially those that are really food motivated, you know, it's not all that difficult. Um, so tell me about your kitty. Uh, is there a particular breed she is? Um, how does she normally respond if you ask her to do things for you or you try to uh, make her do something? She already comes. She only gets treats. I've, I've had cats before, and I've always had them come by rattling a can with treats in it, and that's, she only gets her treat you know, if she comes to the can. She, she's food-motivated, I suppose. <laughs> um, she's a long-haired. She's, she's all black. never had a, a pretty cat like that. Um, and she loves to go outside, and she's an outside-inside cat. She's timid. Okay. Um, she's a scaredy cat. Scaredy cat in what way? Noises. You know, she's afraid of the cars and the trucks. She's afraid okay. of dogs. You know, she'll she'll hide and hunker and run in. Okay. That, that type. Because all of those all of those things that you're saying, Joanne, are going to kind of play into whether or not she's going to be a good candidate to do this and if we're going to expect her to really take to it and enjoy it. Now, for a kitty that's fearful of sounds, cars, dogs, uh, you know, I'll have to say for leash training, for outside, that may not be the most enjoyable experience for her. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you really have to kind of look at what she wants to do. And if she doesn't want to do it, it's going to be harder to convince her to do that. So if it's something like walking around the backyard, if you've got a nice long property, something like that, this might be a reasonable thing to try to see how she does without all those distractions and all those other things that can kind of freak her out. Um, but yes, you can definitely work towards training her. The first step with Kitty, if you do want to leash train them, is to really get them accustomed to the the fit of a harness. And um, that's the most important thing. You can use a collar. Um, however, for cats, since they can sneak out, get frightened, and slip the collar, um, I really think the only way you should do this is to do it with a body harness. Um, so you want to make sure you get her well fit. So if, you, if you're not comfortable with that, see a, someone at a pet store just to kind of help you with that so that she can't get her little arm out or slide out. Um, I, I got you. I did buy her a harness, which I'm on Kodiak Island, and we really don't have a pet store, but she's, I've gotten her associated to her harness. She, Good. So she lets me put it on. It's no, not a, not a problem at all. And, um, and I, uh, then I kept doing that, let her walk around in that and get used to it, and then I'd take it off of her and, okay, uh, put it in an area where she sits down and, or lays down, and right now she's just come in from inside, and she's, sitting on top of her harness and the and the leash <laughs> but i don't you know the leash is more like a toy she'll want to go after it because she likes to go after the that's okay. That's okay. We can use that to our advantage. And, and that's one way that you can um, have her on the harness and using, you know, preferably, I didn't even get into that as far as we want to use a light leash just so it doesn't, cats don't really dig that heavy sensation of that leash. So we want to go with a really t- light training leash. But you can use that. Use that as a, a way to get her um, interested in moving forward. And um, if she wants to chase the leash, just make it a nice long one and uh, tease her with a little bit, make her play with it or, you know, get a little feather toy, something like that to get her interested in moving forward and that can of uh, treats hey that's a great thing to bring that along as well too um so um you know even to get her to go a few feet is really um that's all we're asking uh, first we want her to tolerate the leash 
um, in the harness, and then we want to just ask her to take a few steps. And you just work up with time um, and um, positive reinforcement with those treats. And, uh, you know, of course, I don't want to see your kid get chubby, but um, but there there is definitely a way. And, and uh, you know, whether or not in those other situations where she'll really take to this, um, you know, try to control the, her environment and do that in a safe, quiet place so that she'll feel more comfy with uh, with that experience. Okay, I think it's, I, I'm going to try. I think I have patience with her. Right? Oh, I want to take her out with us in, in the in the motorhome, and I've had other I've had two other cats in the motorhome, and they were older. You know, they mm-hmm. they were used to my voice and saying, "She's this one's just turning two, and just want to get her Aww. get her." Yeah. Well, that's a great way to get your kitty out and moving and, and, and you know, get them some exercise. So um, I think, Joanne, that your call is probably going to inspire a lot of other people to consider that, um, take their cat along with them traveling and in the car. It's, it's a great way to make them a safe traveler. So keep up at it and let us know how that comes along. We will be anxiously waiting to hear how things are going there up in Alaska. Judy, uh, she, she walks her cats all the time. I do. And she my, does. My cat travels in the RV, and just I open the door of the RV, and he walks from the house out on the sidewalk and walks right into the RV and gets up on the dash, and he's <laughs> ready to go. It's the weirdest thing to see, I'll tell you right now. <laughs> Toll-free, 1-866-405-8405 to reach out to Dr. Debbie. And this portion of Animal Radio is underwritten by Vetra Science. Just like their owners, our pets get older. Their joints stiffen up and jumping for joy just a little more difficult than it used to be. Glycoflex hip and joint supplements from Vetra Science help to support joint health in your pet. And we thank Vetra Science for underwriting Animal Radio. We have Alan on the phones. Hey, Alan, how are you doing? Doing good. What's going on in your world? My dog, Daisy, my girlfriend's dog, Daisy, and my dog, Daisy, they have, she has a, like, a personal thing, like a keyword, if you know what I mean. Uh, couldn't quite hear that. I'm sorry. The dog has a P word, if you know what I'm meaning. Oh, okay. Yeah, she has her monthly cycle, or her, her twice a year cycle, I should say. Yeah. Is it only twice a year? Really? Yeah. I did not know that. Yeah, don't they get off easy, man? I don't know how that goes, Judy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's not fair. So your dog is um, having her heat cycle. Um, yeah. And, and, and what about that? What are you... What's your question? What, is that a good thing or a bad thing? Well, I mean, it's na- it's nature, um, and this is exactly what is meant to happen um, as far as in preparation for pregnancy. Now, for dogs, if she's a pet um, and you're not intending to breed her, um, the best thing that I actually recommend is to get her spayed, to have the surgical sterilization done so that... Not only so she doesn't have heat cycles, because it's more than just the bother, although, you know, I think many women would, would agree that the, the surgery would be well worth it. Um, but as far as by having her spayed, we're also protecting her against a lot of other reproductive diseases. And one of the biggest ones is a condition called pyometra. And it's an infection that happens in the uterus, in, in the reproductive structures. And it's very serious. Um, it can be totally prevented by spaying. So it would be a very very good measure for your dog to prevent that type of thing, as well as all those cancers that can happen um, in a, an intact female dog. Um, and, and that can be done, you know, surgery can be done while she's in heat. Some folks opt to wait till they're out of their cycle um, just to minimize complications. But either which way, I think that will be the, the best way we can ensure you don't have to deal with this and that we can keep her in top health. 
Uh-huh. So time to get her spayed, okay? Okay. Okay, there you go. Thanks, Alan, for your call. one 405 8405 This portion of Animal Radio underwritten by Vetra Science. Give your pets the extra support they need. From Glycoflex joint support to composure for pet stress, Vetra Science has the supplement for all of your pet's needs. Thanks, Vetra Science, for underwriting Animal Radio. Those big, scary storms can be terrifying for your pet, and we know that when they're stressed, so are you. Take good care of your buddy with VetraScience Composure. VetraScience Composure helps ease anxiety for pets caused by storms, travel, and owner separation. It won't sedate them, and your pets will love the taste. Also, try our Glycoflex for hip and joint health, as well as multivitamins and probiotics. Find VetraScience supplements at your local pet store, Petco, or your vet. Learn more at VetraScience.com. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. It's Animal Radio celebrating the connection with our pets. And I'm, I'm smiling because Ladybug just got off her brilliant pad. She just did, a, a, I think, a number two, number one and number two on the brilliant pad. And duty on it, yes. Yes. And uh, as you know, if you're a long-time listener, we've been testing out the Brilliant Pad for several months now, and as well as about 12 of our listeners have been testing it out. We've had some amazing results. Last week, the founder, Alan Cook, was on Shark Tank. How you doing, Alan? Doing fantastic. I am uh, absolutely exhausted. It, the response to the show has been fa- uh, overwhelming. Well, this is very exciting, of course. Shark Tank has launched thousands of products it was so much fun and it was so surreal the whole experience was bananas i mean the amazing thing is you see the show on tv you feel like you know the people because you've been watching them for so long uh-huh. and yet you realize you're standing in the same room and i have no problem talking to people and in front of crowds and yet i don't think i've never been in front of five sharks i've <laughs> never been in front of millions of people at the same time it was completely crazy were you nervous you didn't look you were looked calm and cool you know, I think I was fine. You know, it was one of those things where the adrenaline had kicked in. The most nerve-wracking aspect is you stand behind the doors, and then they they open, and you walk. And I get behind the doors, and then someone taps me on the shoulder and says, hold on, we need to adjust something on the set. Please wait. It's kind of like you're icing the kicker in a football game. Yep. So, <laughs> so there's a five-minute delay. Then the other thing that happens, and there's a whole bunch of articles to talk about this, once you walk through the doors, you don't start into your pitch right away. You stand on a spot, and then you sit there for, I don't know, a half a minute, a minute, and what happens is the cameras go around to get lots of photography that's used elsewhere uh, that they just need, that they need to cut in throughout the episode. So you have this really awkward beginning where you stand there and you're just kind of waiting. And of course the nerves are building because like you're ready to go and you just got to wait and then you get the cue and then, and then it's like you see on TV. How long are you actually standing there negotiating? I mean, in the show, it's just a couple minutes. Is it, you know, a lengthy time that they cut down or is it that yeah, fast? So- I was in the tank a total of about 45 minutes. Wow. I 
and I've been told that's typical. You know, it, you're and you're typically in there about forty five minutes to an hour. Uh, the shortest tapings are as little as twenty minutes. Some have gone on as long as two hours, and yet they all boil that down uh, right, to what right. you see on TV. But the, you know, it's interesting. I mean, the show's been around. The cast, the, the crew is professional. Um, you know, I'm not a professional TV person, nor really anyone, any of the other contestants uh, on the show. Mm-hmm. And they did a really uh, nice job of just trying to make you as comfortable as possible. Kevin got a chance to smell the brilliant pad roll that was, <laughs> what, uh, a month old? Full and a month yep. old? That was the best part. Wasn't that cool? Was like, that's got to stink to high heaven. And I know people are going to ask about that. They're like, how does the machine work? I got it. Wait a second. So the waste is going to stay there for a long time. Isn't that going to smell? And we're like, no. So when they asked us about it, we had a soiled roll ready to go. And he's like, bring that to me. And then he smokes it like a cigar. It was completely bananas. Um, but when he said, I'm really impressed, I expected it to smell. And it doesn't. Even the other sharks were like, they passed it around. That didn't make it to air. But wow. they're all like, we're really impressed that this doesn't smell. And we're so excited because that really helps us explain to people and show people how well Brilliant Pad contains the odor. And first out of the gate was Kevin. He offered you what I believe a, a half million loan or debt. He loan. had a typical Kevin, yep. you know, deal with all sorts of uh, loan features and payback. But then Lori uh, jumped in and they started negotiating with each other. <laughs> and we walked, we were very happy with where things landed in the end. Yes. And Lori, I got to say, she was the one that, of course, ultimately ended up investing. And she is very pet friendly. She loves pets. She has a, a few other pet items. Yeah. She does a terrific job selling products. She connects with women. So many of our Brilliant Pad customers uh, are the same people that Lori already has a relationship with, uh, and we're really excited uh, how we can grow our sales with her help. I have to wonder, everything's great for dogs under 25 pounds, but when, you know, I don't have a dog that's under 50 uh, Mm. pounds. So do you see anything on the horizon for bigger dogs? Absolutely. So first off, the machine's really strong. And even though we say it's for 25 pounds and under, I could stand on the machine and jump up and down and it will be fine. So as it is, we have some larger dogs that already use Brilliant Pad. If your dog can go on a potty pad that's about 24 inches by 23 or smaller, even if heavier, they'll have no problem on the machine. And yes, we are looking ahead to having a larger version in the future. Uh, so if you go to our website, brilliantpad.com, uh, and enter your name and email address, uh, we can let you know when the bigger model will be ready. Alan, thank you so much for joining us. Hey, really appreciate it. Thanks for everything, guys. Keep me posted. Okay. Will do. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Lori, what are you working on? Well, there's a lot of outrage these days over, shall I say, fake service animals. But it's not really so much the service dogs, you know, those who uh, predict, you know, when somebody's going to have a heart attack or their blood sugar is going to drop really low. It's uh, or those that help, you know, blind and deaf people. It's more over what they call the ESDs, the emotional service dogs that are not really certified. We're going to talk about some of the things that are being done to try and and curb the the fakery, people buying 
uh, certificates from fake registries and uh, vests off Amazon and things like that. And um, some of the big things that are happening, uh, how states are coming back and trying to combat the problem, too. All dogs should eat a pH-balanced alkaline diet. An alkaline diet reduces health risks and can also reduce scratching, shedding, and hot spots. So does this mean you need to check your dog's pH balance? No, because canine caviar has created the first and only alkaline dog food that is pH-balanced. It also has the highest metabolized calories. What does this mean? Your dog needs to eat less. Get a healthier dog and save money with Canine Caviar products. Find them at your local pet supply store or online at caninecaviar.com. This is an Animal Radio News Update. I'm Lori Brooks. It's obvious there's a growing problem these days with fake service dogs, especially ESDs. Those are the emotional support dogs that are out there. 19 states have now enacted laws cracking down on people who try to pass off their pets as service animals. And uh, Massachusetts might be added to that list soon as they are considering a similar law. But the toughest of the anti-fake service dog laws already in existence, you'll find that in California, where the maximum penalty is a $1,000 fine and up to six months in jail. The Americans with Disabilities Act, you've heard of that. It requires all places that are open to the public to give access to service dogs and their owners. And the ADA permits those locations to ask only two questions of the owners. Uh, one, whether the dog is required because of a disability. And the second question is, what tasks does the dog perform? Well, it's actually, did you know this, illegal for them to request documentation for the dog or to ask about the nature of the owner's disability. I get that part, but I don't know why you can't ask to see its, you know, certification. Probably because there are so many now that really aren't uh, the registries or the certifying agencies that they are expected to be. Mm-hmm. But the crux of the issue is the growing use of emotional support dogs, ESDs, which are intended to provide comfort to those who have anxiety and other sometimes hard to diagnose emotional problems. Some of them may have received special training, although experts say the training for ESDs is nowhere near as rigorous as the training for service dogs who are trained for years to help the blind, deaf, and those with certain medical conditions. Uh, By the way, emotional support dogs are not covered under the Americans with Disabilities Act and can legally be denied access to public places. Yeah, I didn't know that either. So something to beware of if you have faked dog's papers before. A service animal is trained for literally thousands of hours and many years to be in public places and non-reactive. In fact, you should hardly even know that a service animal is there. And technically, when you say service animal, that means only, that covers only dogs and miniature horses. And those service animals have, uh, well, there have actually been documented cases of those legitimate service animals, mostly dogs, being attacked by untrained emotional support dogs. Besides bad behavior, though, another way to tell the difference between a real and highly trained service dog is, and this is according to trainers, Owners of real service dogs, they say, do not carry them in shopping carts or purses. And that is not an inflammatory remark. The rule is four on the floor. And what that means is 
all four feet on the ground at all times when a dog is performing a task requested by the handler. But more and more Americans are in favor of a national certified program and registry for legitimately trained service dogs. They say this problem will not stop until that happens. Now from the uh, Did You Know file, cat litter is not just for cats anymore. What the heck? The cat litter industry brings in almost $3 billion a year, but as with any industry, they're always looking for growth to make more money. So now we introduce you to Litter for Dogs. Purina, in fact, is currently making second nature dog-specific litter, and the Mars Pedigree website has a whole page on their site devoted to litter box training of small dogs. Although I will be very honest with you, I did check out that page. I read it in about 30 seconds. There's not much there, but something I did learn. They say to keep in mind that dogs do not have the instinctive behaviors of cats for using a litter box and then burying their waste. That would leave a pretty horrific odor upon re-entering your home from a day of work. Something to think about, though. I'm Lori Brooks. Get more breaking animal news anytime at AnimalRadio.com. This has been an Animal Radio News Update. Get more at AnimalRadio.com. This portion of Animal Radio is underwritten by Fear Free. Fear Free takes the pet out of petrified and puts the treat into treatment. To learn more and find a certified Fear Free veterinary professional near you, visit FearFreePets.com. It's Animal Radio, celebrating the connection with our pets. Toll free, 1-866-405-8405. We'll head back to those phones in just a couple of seconds. For your calls for Dr. Debbie and Joey Volani. And we are about, ooh, I'm going to say a little over an hour away from Eric Burden of the Animals joining us. And uh, what is he doing? What, what does that have to do with animals? You'll just have to stick around and wait to find out. But right now, we welcome to the airwaves Steve Dale. And I, I must admit, we both have radio shows. And when, when we get together, it must be pretty important what we want to talk about here. And it is, of course, very important. Today, it is the fear-free movement, which we've talked about for many years, the fear-free movement having to do with making veterinary visits easier for your pets so that they like going to the vet. But now there's fear-free happy homes, too. So there's ways to make your home a fear-free home, too. And we'll tell you a little more about that in just a couple of minutes. Steve, welcome to the show. It's great to be here. Thank you so much. So when did you first hear about fear-free? Well, before it had its name, fear-free, myself and uh a lot of the veterinary behaviorists, in fact, all of the, I, I would dare say all of the veterinary behaviorists, uh, and a great veterinarian named Sophia Yin, uh, Dr. R.K. Anderson, and many, many other people were practicing what you are talking about, but it did not have the marketing term fear-free. And the brilliant Marty Becker came up to me, uh, Dr. Becker, at uh, one of the veterinary conferences and said, I have an idea. Just like that. <laughs> Did you know at that time that his idea was that he was really on to something? Yes, because uh, I, I did instantly get it. In fact, I'm not even sure I let all the words just fall out of his mouth before I interrupted and said, I get it, because I've been talking about this sort of thing for a very long time. What Dr. Becker, however, did was encompass the sorts of things I'm talking about with even the architecture of exam rooms in veterinary clinics, 
with the latest research that's out there of, as to even what colors pets may prefer, the idea of playing classical music in the clinic and all that sort of thing. You know what, though? Uh, Fear Free, the concept really begins in home. So I'm so glad that uh, he began this notion of fear-free, happy homes. If, if the cat, let's take a cat because that's an easier example. The carrier comes out, and where is your cat? He's running. He saw you with the carrier. He's out of there. Yeah. I mean, even if they do build that wall to Mexico, the cat's going to climb over it. <laughs> The cat's out of here, you know, and, and by the time, if you can even do it, run all over your house, grab the cat who's screaming all the way there and, and stuff that cat into the carrier. There are, there are people that can't physically do that. But even if you can get that done, by the time you get to the veterinary office, there isn't much even the best veterinarian on earth can do to calm that cat down at that point. And in fact, I really do believe that many cats, if not most, many dogs at the veterinary clinic believe they are going to die. That's how bad it is. Sure. Now, imagine this. Picture this. Carrier comes out and the cat just hops in. Picture this. You drive in your car just like that, to the veterinary clinic, and you park your car legally in their parking lot, you jump out of the car, and the dog is actually dragging you into the clinic. Life can really be that way. We're with Steve Dale, certified animal behavior consultant and awesome radio show host. You've uh, you've had pets for decades. How, huh. have, how has your personal experience at the vet hospital changed? I wonder about the decade part. People have begun to call me old. I don't know. Um, <laughs> yes, I have. As, as I say, I, you know, I kind of cheat because I'm, a, a, what I do, I'm a behavior consultant and this has been a passion of mine for a very long time. Cats are under medicalized in this country. Um, and there are many reasons for that. And I can define exactly what those reasons are. But one of those reasons, in fact, the biggest, most considerable reason, and I get it from, a uh, cat caretaker's perspective is simply getting them there in the first place is so very difficult to do. And I, I will say the best vet veterinarian on the planet cannot treat a cat or a dog that's not coming in. I mean, you can't diagnose an animal you're not seeing. I don't care how good you are. So getting them there seemed to be for years of prime importance to me. And I've been teaching these kitten socialization classes for a very long time now. Uh, so I have been, I must say, practicing what I preach. And uh, I have videos of our dogs. You know how dogs when – I don't know. You tell me, you guys. I mean, is there somewhere in your area that offers maybe the local bank or the local dry cleaner or whatever that offers cookies mm. to the dogs? When the dogs go by that place, they will drag you. They realize. You know, all they <laughs> Right? And they take you for a walk now, and they drag you into the door. Well, that's how our dogs feel about the veterinary clinic. We are with certified animal behavior consultant and extremely talented radio host, Steve Dale. And we'll take a quick break. We'll be back. Hi, friends. This is Dr. Marty Becker, America's veterinarian. 
After a traumatic experience at the veterinary office, have you ever thought to yourself, there has to be a better way? When your veterinarian is fear-free certified, you'll find your pet's vet visit is safer, more comfortable, and actually enjoyable. Your dog will go from shaking in the lobby to pulling you into the exam room with a wagon tail, and your cat will be purring inside the carrier. To find a certified fear-free veterinarian near you, go to fearfreepets.com. You're listening to Animal Radio. If you missed any part of today's show, visit us at AnimalRadio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Joining us is certified animal behavior consultant and host of his own pet show, Steve Dale, joining us. So let's go back to the cats for just a second here. What is a good way so that they don't freak out with the carrier every time I pull it out? What What is a, a way to desensitize them? And counter condition. So the good news is that you can take what I'm about to say is way easier with a kitten. Okay. And I will describe a super secret magic solution okay. that is available for kittens in some places in a moment. But in addition to that, it, it, it works with five-year-old and even 15-year-old cats. What you do is you but take some patience. You, you take out the carrier. You leave out the carrier as if it is a piece of furniture. And the cat will probably take a wide berth walking around it, you know, like, oh, my God, what's this doing here? But eventually get adjusted to the fact that the carrier is just there like the sofa is just there. Uh, over time, begin to drop some treats randomly into the carrier so the carrier becomes a treat dispenser. So now the cat is periodically investigating, oh, I wonder if there's going to be something really good inside this carrier. Then what you begin to do is feed the cat just outside the carrier, then feed the cat inside the carrier. When the cat ultimately is comfortable with being fed inside the carrier, then what you do is you actually zip it closed, put the cat inside, zip it closed, and walk all the way into the next room, let the cat out of the carrier, feed the cat. So good things happen after the cat has been in the carrier. Fast forward the clock a little bit. You've given the cat a tour of your house. We're going upstairs. We're going downstairs. We're going to this room and that room. Now you get fed. The cat's not complaining. The cat voluntarily goes into the carrier because the cat knows I'm only going to get fed after this. That's all. These crazy people are walking around with me inside the carrier. I don't know why, but I get a meal afterwards. Then you take the cat down to the car. Same thing. It's slow. You know, you just start the car and go nowhere. Go back in the house. Cat gets fed after being in the carrier in the car. Eventually, you, you drive down the driveway, then you drive down the block, then you drive around the block, and then you go to the veterinary clinic, but nothing happens there except the cat gets a treat or two or three. You go back home and the cat gets fed. You kind of get the idea, I suspect. It does take some doing. Is it worth it? Totally, I think. In addition to that, with a kitten, here's what I was, the secret thing I was going to tell you. With, with a kitten... If you could find somewhere in your market that does kitten socialization classes or take it upon yourself, if you happen to get a cat as a kitten, and I know many people, wonderful people, amazing people rescue cats that are eight years old, which is a totally a great thing. But if you happen to have a kitten between the weeks of eight and 15 weeks of age, then it's really easy. They don't care. Put the cat into the carrier, go to the vet clinic. Give your kitten some treats. Do it again and again, and the kitten will be absolutely fine with that. Or 
enroll in a kitten socialization class. If you keep it up throughout the kitten's life, and now the kitten's a, a, an adult cat, now you've got it made. And there are some tools that we can use to do all this. I want to say quickly that I, my fault, neglected to mention. So five years ago or ten years ago, we didn't have all of these tools. One is a feel-away, uh, for example. That is a knockoff of a, a copy of a pheromone. And when cats rub their cheek pads against the table leg or against your leg, what they're doing is they're depositing a pheromone. And and that pheromone uh, translated from cat language means, ooh, I'm comfortable and happy to be here. And this is a copy of that pheromone. You spray the feel-away into, or you could purchase feel-away wipes. They're like kind of like hand wipes, except they have pheromone on them. And you use the feel-away wipes, either which way. You spray the feel-away, use the wipe, and about 15 minutes before the cat goes into the carrier for all these dress rehearsals, and you've got a uh, less anxious cat. And there are other things we can do as well, tools we have, uh, nutraceuticals, that nutritional supplements that, that we didn't have some number of years ago. And some of the great resources over at Fear Free pets.com we'll put links to everything you've heard on today's show over at animalradio.pet why do you think it's so imperative that pet owners seek out a fear-free veterinarian oh my goodness there are so many reasons for that i mean the primary reason is that they don't need to feel terrified or as i said earlier like they are going to die i i've met in in my career which as you point out has been for decades now I've, I've met perhaps thousands of veterinarians and thousands of veterinary nurses. I've never met one, not one, that hasn't gone into the business to help, to help, in this case, companion animals. But when these pets are terrified, their hearts break. The hearts break of the people that are bringing them in, the caretakers of, of their family members with four legs their hearts break, and they become stressed, which increases the animal's stress even more. And this vicious cycle doesn't even have to begin. We can do better than that. And doing better than that isn't only on the veterinary profession. It's on all of us as well. If you do one thing today, if you're surfing one particular website, I encourage you to go to Fear Free Pets. FearFreePets.com to learn a little more how you can make your home a fear-free, happy home and how you can find a fear-free certified vet. Of course, links to everything you've heard on today's show over at AnimalRadio.pet. Steve, thank you so much for coming on the show. You guys are wild. Thank you so much. Take care of yourself. Thank you. We're going to head back to the phones for your calls next. This portion of Animal Radio was underwritten by Fear Free. The veterinarian isn't typically thought of as your pet's favorite place to go. With Fear Free, that all changes. To learn more and find a certified Fear Free veterinary professional near you, visit FearFreePets.com. Admit it, you love your dog and he is part of the family. So when choosing your next vacation, don't forget Fido. With just a little planning, the entire family can enjoy a road trip. To find the best vacation spot for Spot, subscribe to Fido Friendly the travel and lifestyle magazine for you and your dog, where each issue includes hotel and destination reviews, where both you and Fido are welcome. Go online to FidoFriendly.com and find out what all the barking's about. Celebrating the connection with our pets. 
This is Animal Radio, featuring your dream team, veterinarian Dr. Debbie White and groomer Joey Villani. And here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. And if your pet isn't with you, go ahead and uh, grab your pet right now. We can wait. No, seriously, go grab them right now. Bring them around the radio. They love Animal Radio. We have all of ours. We have uh, Molly, the studio stunt dog. We have Ladybug, the studio stunt dog. Roro's in the corner right there, snoring away in uh, in Lori's little uh, cubicle. My newsroom. Your newsroom. Is, is that what they call that? <laughs> and uh, we're missing a kitten today. There's usually a kitten in here. She's in lockdown, man. She's just too naughty today. <laughs> Why? What's happening? What is she doing? Just it just cords and everything, and she knocked over a flower arrangement the other day, and she's discovering that you know with claws she can get just about anywhere. So, um, she is definitely crawling up things, leaping. You, you know, you think she's some kind of acrobatic, um, and she's all of two pounds, barely uh, two pounds wet. <laughs> <laughs> I love them when they're just little kittens. Yes, they, yeah. they just have so much energy, and they're just popping all around. I wish I had that kind of energy. We're just about to go to the phones. This hour, we're going to talk to Eric Burden of the animals, and he has some kind of animal interest, thus him being on Animal Radio. We'll find out what that's all about in just a couple of minutes right here on Animal Radio. Uh, We're also uh, about 20 minutes away from a check of news with Lori Brooks. What do you got going on in your little cubicle newsroom? Got a, a special report into what are called whole family cemeteries. Whole family cemeteries. Oh, that's strange. I'll tell you what one yeah. would be like, too. Yeah, pretty cool, I think. Okay, that's on the way. Let's hit the phones. Well, hi, Lynn. How are you? I'm fine. How are you? Good. How can we help you? Well, you know what? I just um, I had talked to my vet. But we have a puppy, an Australian Shepherd, and I just wondered what you recommend um, age-wise to get him neutered. Okay. I was told like five to six months, but I wondered if there's things that, you know, should his testicles have dropped? By then, um, you know, he still doesn't lift his leg pin. He's more like a squat still. <laughs> okay. <laughs> In general, I'd say that my veterinary recommendation is about six months for the castration surgery. Um, that's before we start to see the bad behaviors, um, marking around the house, um, a little bit pushy dominance or aggressive behaviors. In our community, you know, we have one of those laws that says that you have to neuter your dog and cat by four months of age. And um, I don't dispute the law, but I would say my preference is six months. And uh, for some things like, yeah, you know, testicles, yes, they ought to be dropped by six months. But actually, those little suckers should be falling on those puppy visits. So usually on the three-month, the four-month visits, if those testicles aren't there, then I maybe get a little concerned. But by six months, they should be in their normal position. If they're not, that might be a condition called cryptorchidism, where the testicle doesn't drop normally. Um, not that we would wait necessarily longer, just means we have a little abnormality to deal with. Uh, but um, as far as neutering-wise, you said he's five months right now? He's six months. Oh, he's six months. So, yeah, I think he's old enough to sign up. And if he's not lifting his leg, um, I don't know that waiting longer may necessarily help him. Um, it's, it's not necessarily a hormone-driven behavior. A lot of times it's learned from other dogs around him. So might okay. help to take him to the dog park and let him watch some of the big boys and uh, you know he might pick up that behavior <laughs> otherwise it okay. might just be a little bit more time and he'll he'll find it you know so, so sometimes i sit down too <laughs> too much information <laughs> so it um what you said earlier it is 
better to do it before he shows signs of uh, aggressive behavior. So, absolutely, yeah. Oh. And I found I found some people that actually wait because they're waiting to see those signs. And oh. actually, behaviorally, we can avoid so many more problems if we don't allow that to actually happen in the first place. So, yeah, I, I would I would endorse the old snip snip for your friend. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay. Thanks, Lynn. Okay, that's great. Thank you so much. Thanks Have for listening. 1-866-405-8405 to reach out to Dr. Debbie. And this portion of Animal Radio is underwritten by VetraScience. Just like us, our pets are getting older. Hard to believe, huh? It happens so fast. And just like us, their joints stiffen up and jumping for joy. Not so easy anymore. Glycoflex hip and joint supplements from VetraScience help to support joint health in your pet. And we thank VetraScience for underwriting and supporting Animal Radio. Uh, line four and Brian. Hi, Brian. How are you? Hey, doing well. How can we help you today? Well, I have a uh, black lab mix that I got from the uh, shelter, and she is a wonderful. She's about three years old now, and uh, very well. You know, went to uh, obedience training with her and learned how to. You know, sometimes you got to train the uh, people to train the dog. Oh, yeah. So I learned. I learned all <laughs> the steps to, uh, and she's wonderful. Can teach her to do the paper, sit, stay. She has this odd behavior. Maybe this is more common than than uh, I think, but she likes to, uh, if there's other dogs, like we go to a friend's house and uh, take the dog with us, and uh, in the backyard, if they find, uh, she finds feces from the other dogs, she wants to rub her head in it. Ooh, and then, oh, lovely. And then come running back and show us how proud she is. Mm-hmm. Uh, she doesn't oh. eat it or, you know, anything. It's almost like she wants to say, you know, doesn't do it in her own yard. Of course, we clean everything up as quick as we can. But uh-huh. she, she never does it uh, with her own. Okay. And uh, I guess two questions. Is that unusual? And second, how, how can I help uh, stop the uh, behavior? Yes, uh, it, it actually is not all that unusual. Um, I'd say more dogs tend to actually ingest feces, but there are a good amount of them that will roll in the fecal matter, and they do. They come back so proud and happy about it. And, and it's interesting because there's a lot of behaviorists out there. We really don't know why dogs do this. There's a lot of theories out there, and the, some of the theories are that, you know, they're either masking their scent or they're picking up the scent of, uh, you know, where they've been, and they're kind of using that to tell the the other pack members where they've been, but we really don't know why. But they enjoy it. They love it. Um, So it is kind of a self-rewarding behavior. So uh, gross, definitely. (laughs) I don't think anyone would argue with that. The the hard thing is because it is a self-rewarding behavior, um, you have to actually prevent it from beginning in the first place or you've already lost that ability to train her out of that. So that means the challenge is we have to, in, when she's faced in these situations, we have to do a couple things. One is to try to control her movement. So um, either keep her physically away from the areas where the fecal matter are or we keep her on a head collar, like a gentle lead harness. And that way when she kind of gets near the material, you can direct her another way. But we also want to remember we don't, it's not supposed to be about disciplining or correcting her when she does this because that actually is, um, in my eyes, I always kind of compare that to the small toddler or the small child that does something wrong and gets yelled at and is like, ooh, I got attention, you know, you know, it, negative attention is still attention. So they're still rewarding the behavior. So we ignore it. We don't say, no, 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 don't do that. 
you actually look for something else we can motivate her with at that time. And the best thing is if you have a combination of the head collar and something else. So I will use squeaky toys. I'll use toys, treats, frisbees, whatever she really digs. Um, other than the fecal matter, <laughs> use that as the alternate uh, toy or behavior. So um, it is hard, especially if you're over at a friend's house and they're kind of doing doggy fun and playing and rolling in that. Um, but it, it means just kind of taking control of the situation and not allowing her to do that and okay. uh, give her that outlet. Just fo- follow her when I bring her and kind of control her as uh, she, you know, she doesn't do it all the time, which is also difficult too because uh, right yeah it's an intermittent behavior right it's intermittent which is the hardest behavior to try to change i think yeah now and when you we're keeping her out of the access it's uh, not ideal to say um you know she's running around the yard she starts to roll in it and then you try to get her away at at that point we really want to maintain physical control so we want to have her on a leash or a harness And, and you can actually even go through little practice sessions with this you know go to a neighbor you know your friend's house and have her on that and and start doing the doing a little semi training away from that and uh you know that way you can hopefully let her enjoy some of that freedom and that dog play which is just part of being a dog hey don't knock uh, it till you've tried it okay yeah. hey. <laughs> it's doggy I perfume appreciate, <laughs> I appreciate all your help thanks for listening 1-866-405-8405 to talk to dr debbie this portion of animal radio is underwritten by vetra science give your pets the extra support they need from glycoflex joint support to composure for pet stress vetra science has the supplement for all of your pets needs you're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. Hi, it's Alec Cable with today's dog tip. So you've done your homework, you're ready to make an incredible commitment, and get yourself a puppy. You know the responsibility you're taking on, and you've thought long and hard about what kind of puppy you want, and how best to pick him or her out. Or did you? When I met my lady, my last dog was a well-behaved, well-socialized, grown adult. He passed, and she wanted a puppy. I tried to prepare her for the storm that was coming. She said she understood, and so a very lucky stroke. My neighbors got together, a lab and a shepherd, and they had puppies. Now, this was great, because it enabled me to do some incredible preparation and homework. Firstly, I could observe the puppies as often as I wanted, and when they got older, I could take a couple at a time and visit my backyard. So let's talk about picking out puppies. You know when you go to the supermarket, you just don't pick up any cucumber and stick it in your cart. No, it's got to be a beautiful green cucumber, crisp and ripe. Many people just pick out puppies or dogs just based on how they look. But shouldn't you ask yourself what personality traits you'd most like to see in a puppy and whether or not you want a smart dog? The best way to gauge a puppy's intelligence is to observe him. Puppies have very short attention spans. They can't focus very long on anything. Kind of like guys when you're talking about your relationship. They're on to the next thing before you can snap your finger. So if you observe a puppy that can focus for 10, 15 seconds on an object or anything, that's a great sign of intelligence. Also, watch how the puppy interacts with the other puppies. Does he leave the pack occasionally, go off on his own to explore? Or does he always cling tightly to the group? When he plays, is he dominant or is he submissive? And watch how his mother corrects him when she doesn't like the behavior, usually grabbing him by the neck with her teeth or pushing him down to the ground. That's another important thing to observe, how a mother corrects bad behavior in her pups. You're going to be doing a lot of correcting when you bring your puppy home. Okay, so to be prepared for your first night, your dog is going to wail and whine all night long. My wife wanted me to return him the next day. He's away from his mother and his litter mates for the first time. He's scared. He's in a strange environment. And he's calling out to them, and more than likely, he'll do it for a week or two. Do yourself a favor and get a crate, and we'll be talking about crate and potty training next time. 
You're listening to Animal Radio. Find us at AnimalRadio.com. Log on, learn more. Those big, scary storms can be terrifying for your pet, and we know that when they're stressed, so are you. Take good care of your buddy with VetraScience Composure. VetraScience Composure helps ease anxiety for pets caused by storms, travel, and owner separation. It won't sedate them, and your pets will love the taste. Also, try our Glycoflex for hip and joint health, as well as multivitamins and probiotics. Find VetraScience supplements at your local pet store, Petco, or your vet. Learn more at VetraScience.com. Hello, this is Loretta Swift, and I'm on Animal Radio. And please don't forget to stay and neuter. You're listening to Animal Radio. If you missed any part of today's show, visit us at AnimalRadio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. It's Animal Radio. We all have a brush with fame sooner or later. I've actually had two now that I think about it. I had a, a brush with uh, Don McLean from American Pie fame, sat next really? to him on an airplane. And Eric Burden of the Animals, I gave him a cigarette, a lit cigarette already after a, a show. Wow. He just uh, he came off stage and he looked at me and said, can I have that cigarette or something like that. And I gave him my cigarette. And that was my brush with uh, Eric Burden <laughs> until now. Wow. Uh, in just a few minutes, we're, yeah, I know, really big deal. <laughs> well, you know, what was your brush with fame? I'm trying to think. Um, other than the people that I've met through working with Animal Radio, I mean, you know, we've met some. Uh, we had Jose Canseco the one year. We I met. remember that. I had to. Uh-huh. I had to reel you in on that one. Well, I was having a good old time flirting. <laughs> it was so much fun. <laughs> But there are others, you know, I'm trying to think, but um, he's just one jumps out. <laughs> yeah, for some reason. I remember that. I re- You were just drooling all over. Uh, let's see. And you're working on news, Lori. Have you ever had a brush with fame? I think my most exciting one was leaving a radio station party at the Queen Mary. And as I was leaving, because we had to get up and go on the air the next day, like at 3 o'clock, um, I, I saw Lorenzo Lamas. Oh, Lorenzo Lamas, yes. And that was the time of, was that Falcon Crest? Uh, was, it, was he in Falcon Crest? He was on one of those. It was before his, yeah, wife beating days or whatever he did, but um, yeah, he was still so cute. That was probably. Your Russia thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So what do you got coming up in the newsroom? Well, apparently, um, you know, everybody has a different kind of choice in what they like for their pets. Mostly it's cats and dogs, but. Uh, reptiles, amphibians are out there too, but there's a new report out that is downright scary about how apparently uh, when you or whoever gets a, uh, a reptile pet, something is just not happening because they die at alarming numbers. Really? I thought it was just me. Yeah. That's sad. Oh, we'll we'll yeah. find out what that's all about in just a few minutes. Well, good day, David. How are you doing? Oh, I'm fine. Thank you. Where are you? Uh, I'm in Little Rock, Arkansas. Little Rock, Arkansas. How can we help you today, David? Okay, my question is this. I have ten and your, a ten-and-a-half-year-old Yorkie Poo, and uh, he rides in the truck with me. He's been doing it for about ten years now. I'm a trucker. And I usually would able to give him just about anything, and it wouldn't bother him. But in the last six months or so, uh, he gets the runs at the drop of a hat. And even even I, I started mixing his food with some canned food to kind of make it a little bit more palatable for him, and mm-hmm. it, that was okay. But even now, that bothers him. What what's going on with my dog? 
Okay, so his appetite is sound. That's good. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, then I would not add in canned food because that can ruin the whole process of what you're trying to do. If you're having loose stools with your pet and you add in canned food, that actually can have a tendency for many pets to loosen up the stool. Um, there's a lot more moisture content in that, and it, it's kind of like you know, be like eating a lot of pumpkin pie if you have diarrhea. It, it's not going to help things in any way there. So I would really be looking more at our diet structure as far as what we are feeding. And there are some diets we'll go to a higher fiber content if we want to firm up the stool some. Now the other thing I'm going to say is I would certainly make sure we have the stool and your pet checked at the veterinarian because you know we could have something like worms we can have other issues going on there's problems in digestion with a pancreas that can cause a chronic problem with loose stools I'd say the number one problem in most cases is we choose a diet that doesn't agree with our pet's bowels and the number one thing I look at when I pick a food a lot of people say what's the best food out there doc it's going to be the best one that agrees with your pet. That's always one of the first things. So do they like it? And does it produce nice, solid poops that are consistent? So that might be something we look at. Is the current food you're going with, you know, maybe nothing bad against the company, but it may not be the trick for your pet. And to change that, we would find another and kind of gradually introduce that new diet over a period of about a week to two weeks. See what the poops go like. And then we can make a decision, is it better, worse, no different. Um, but I would certainly, before we start on the strategy of trying different foods and moving around, you know, like I said, I'd make sure your baby's checked out A-OK by the vet and bring a nice uh, bag of poop for the vet. It really makes our day when you guys do that. <laughs> <laughs> you like that stuff. It's weird. one 405 to talk to any one of the Dream Team right now here at Animal Radio. This portion of Animal Radio is underwritten by Red Barn, the grain-free Red Barn Naturals canned food for dogs and cats, always made in the USA, with natural, functional ingredients to support your pet's optimal health. Learn more over at redbarninc.com. And thanks, Red Barn, for underwriting Animal Radio. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. <laughs> We've heard about leash laws for dogs, but Cindy Deasy from Willow Grove, Pennsylvania, wants a leash law for cats. Dog owner Deasy says she wants cat owners to be as responsible as dog owners. She said her dog was seriously hurt twice while chasing a cat from her yard. She is among those tired of cats wandering the neighborhood, damaging plants, tearing up lawn furniture, and using their lawns as litter boxes. Deezy says, if my dog was digging up people's gardens and peeing and leaving animal parts, people would be up in arms. In response to the complaints, the city is considering picking up roaming cats, but they haven't decided on a cat leash law yet. I'm Britt Savage for Animal Radio. Animal Radio. Hey, this is Paula Poundstone. Wait, I forget where I am. Animal Radio. Animal Radio. I love that. Hey, this is Paula Poundstone on Animal Radio. Spay and neuter your pets or we're going to be eating alive! We can't tell you why canine caviar is the only alkaline-based dog food. But we can tell you, alkaline is proven to minimize the risk of renal failure and pancreatitis, reduce scratching, cellular degeneration, and disease, keeping your furry friend youthful and healthy longer. And those are the reasons we can fit into this short commercial. 
But by visiting caninecaviar.com, you'll see exactly what we do to make a better food for your dog. Try the one and only alkaline dog food risk-free. Canine Caviar. This is an Animal Radio News Update. I'm Lori Brooks. The journal Veterinary Record has introduced a new topic that has a lot of people riled up after their series of articles about how humans treat reptiles as pets. Well, as reptiles and amphibians are becoming increasingly popular pets these days, animal experts are calling for some renewed focus to ensure that we, the humans, are not hurting our slithery, scaly friends. And the issue is a little more complicated than you might think at first. While lizards and geckos, let's say, can be easier to care for than a dog or cat, reptiles can still suffer from improper care and nutrition. And on top of that, increasing popularity means spikes in illegal trade too, possibly placing endangered exotic species at risk. Now, experts say that compared to dogs, which achieve natural longevity in the domestic environment, about 75% of reptiles die during their first year in a home as a pet. They stress, yeah, that we need to make sure reptiles and amphibians get not just appropriate housing, but also some socialization um, since some are actually more social than we've been led to think in the past. So you're probably wondering what's the difference between amphibians and reptiles. I bet Dr. Debbie knows. Oh, of course, know you better knows. know. Uh, I, yeah, I should. <laughs> <laughs> well, I had to look it up. So so amphibians, frogs, toads, salamanders, uh, primarily live in and around water. Reptiles are your snakes, lizards, alligators, turtles, and reptiles lay hard-shelled eggs, and their young are pretty much the smaller versions of what they are going to be as an adult. So what's that an, is an alligator? That would be an amphibian. No, that's a reptile. Oh, but I'm so confused. They hang out in the water, <laughs> oh, right? But they're not exclusively point, but... live oh, okay. in the water. Okay, okay, yeah, yeah, okay. But it also has something to do with their skin, right? That um, yeah, there's they're... more to it than just where they live. It's definitely how you know their, their, their scale, their conformation, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I, I have to chime in because you know this is a really big thing. Reptiles are are the misunderstood pet. A lot of people get them as pets, don't know what they're doing. So it's a good reason to investigate, research, and then even take that little critter to the veterinarian when you get it to make sure you're doing everything right and consult with the veterinarian. Oh, they're so temperamental. I had a gecko, and you have to keep it the exact temperature, and if it, if mm-hmm. it, it veers from Humidity, that temperature. Humidity, yeah. UV light, well, it's like all Joey of that. Joey was, was saying earlier that a lot of us or a lot of people will get a reptile and, or a bird, as Joey was talking about, and think that you can just like leave them in a cage, and that's fine, but no, birds are really it. social. And apparently a lot of reptiles and amphibians are as well. There's a, a group that you guys are going to be hearing more about in the future, I bet. It is called the Green Pet Burial Society. As, you know, our love of pets continues to grow, the group advocates for what they call whole family cemeteries, places where a whole family could be buried. Hmm. People and pets, yeah. Uh, the burial of pet remains in cemeteries designated for humans is illegal in many states, but last year, you know, we're making strides. New York did legalize the burial of animal remains in human cemeteries as long as both the human and the animal were interred at the same time. Means that you can't go out and kill an animal just to put it into a coffin with a human. 
Still, the Green Pet Burial Society says there are many, many stories out there of people sneaking the cremains of a beloved pet into the casket of somebody who has passed. So they have gone to the trouble of creating a directory of cemeteries where people can be buried with their pets. How cool is that? Yeah. Isn't that cool? And did you guys hear about this story, a cat named Stinker? He's in Southern California or was is back with his family more than a year after he disappeared while a film crew was making a movie using his family's home. The family looked everywhere for Stinker, who they had found as a kitten abandoned on the side of the 210 freeway. So when they visited their local shelter, you know, in search of Stinker, uh, they were told of a cat fitting Stinker's description had recently been hit by a car near their home. So it kind of looked like, you know, all the pieces fit together. So they assumed it was Stinker and stopped their search. Now, fast forward a year later, the family moves to Connecticut, thinking that they might finally be ready to add another new pet to their life. They started looking at the shelters in Connecticut, but they didn't find what they were searching for. So the husband checked photos of their old California shelter for animals that were there, and he found a cat that looked just like Stinker. So he calls the next-door neighbor and asks the neighbor to go to the shelter. So the neighbor goes to the shelter, and then the former dad and Stinker are in the shelter FaceTiming each other through the neighbor. (laughs) So the next day, this guy flies out to Los Angeles from Connecticut to see for himself, and yes... A very happy ending for a long story that could have been solved uh, much faster and more easily had Stinker had a microchip, Mm -hmm. which he does now. I bet he does, yeah. But a happy ending. We just had a kitty brought into our office that was missing for six years. And was found, um, had a microchip and was reunited. And fortunately, she was found because she has bladder stones and we had to do surgery. And she's on the mend from that. But, you know, her family was so thankful to get her back six years later. How did they react after six years? I mean, you pretty much write off an animal after that. They were happy regardless that they got their kitty back. You got to love those stories. I mean, it's just microchip friends, microchip. I'm Lori Brooks. Get more breaking animal news anytime at AnimalRadio.com. This has been an Animal Radio News Update. Get more at AnimalRadio.com. Everybody has their little brush with fame story, and it was in the maybe the early 80s. I had my brush with fame. It was Eric Burden of the Animals. I was backstage at the Bumbershoot Festival in Seattle. Really? And he was performing, and he got off stage, and he asked me for a cigarette. <laughs> that's the story. Your claim to fame. That's the story, and I'm sticking to it. Did you have one? I actually did. I actually did give him one. And, you know, he's joining us now. Hi, Eric, how are you doing? I'm good. I never smoke cigarettes. Okay. Uh, I, I, I dig you. Okay, you just blew the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> I heard somewhere that you played trombone. That was your first instrument? Yeah, because it sounds like an elephant. Because it sounds like an elephant. Wow. Were, were you a good trombone player? No, I didn't get that far. I... I, I kidded myself that I was I could play New Orleans style 
music, which is, um, you know, pretty accessible for the beginner. But I did, not really. Not, until, not when I heard people like Lawrence Brown, who was the main trombone player with the Count Basie band. And um, I have a trombone player in my band uh, currently. And when we met, uh, he said, you know, why do you want me? And I said, because I understand that you are a Lawrence Brown fan. He said, that's right. And I said, okay, you're hired. <laughs> Just like that. So yeah. you you knew that you weren't a good trombone player. You knew that, or did someone say to you, "Hey, Eric, you got to give up the trombone"? Well, I'm an asthmatic, and that's pretty, uh, uh, you know, asking too much. Yeah, for that's my tough. That comes to be a singer and a trombone player. Did Did I hear you correctly? You have asthma. Yeah. And you sing like you certainly have lots of fresh air. That's proof of the magic of music. So, now, you got involved in this thing called the Elephant Project. What is that? Well, we're uh, elephant lovers. Um, and our, uh, elephants are probably my favorite animal. I've had um, uh, close and personal relationships with the gentle giant uh, at the park in, in London Zoo many years ago. And um, I, was, I was in shock when I was on tour in America to see headlines in the newspapers saying, uh, elephant, uh, uh, male elephant jealous of uh, another male elephant is um, co- caused murder of his rival. And when I got back to London Zoo, I asked the, the, the elephant man there, the keeper at the zoo, is it true that about this affair between two rival male elephants and one got headbutted and pushed into uh, the... A ditch that uh, keeps the uh, elephants separate from the public. There's no fence. It's just a ditch. It's just a canal. And uh, this one elephant, but it pushed another elephant into the canal. He landed upside down, and unfortunately, they couldn't rescue him. All the blood went to his brain, and he died. Wow. And as the elephant trainer was telling me this, I was convinced that the elephant. Uh, we, we point the finger at in the crime here was listening to every word and understood what was being said. It was amazing. Elephants are highly intelligent, I found out, and they have long-lasting memories. So uh, it's not a stretch. Maybe the elephant connected with me or what I was saying or could smell me and the way I smelled, if that's what they're saying. I mean, but they're such gentle giants. And... Um, I dreamt years ago that there would be uh, an, an armed group of soldiers uh, would be raised in, in Africa to protect the elephants from the slaughter that's going on from people who are hunting them for uh, ivory. We are with singer-songwriter Eric Burden. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back. At Red Barn, our pet food ingredients work overtime. They aren't just there for show. Dandelion greens work to maintain a healthy digestive system. Salmon oil works to enhance the immune system. Green-lipped mussels work to support joint health. These hard-working ingredients support your dog's active, healthy life. Look at the label. We want you to. Red Barn Naturals Pet Food. Simply the best. Find it in your local pet specialty store. 
Visit RedBarnInc.com to save a dollar on Red Barn grain-free canned food. I'm Nick Miles in Japan this week with the latest automotive news from the 2017 Tokyo Motor Show. Could Toyota have just showed the next 4Runner in Japan? The TJ Cruiser concept is the same size as the 4Runner with a boxy design and a cross between an SUV and a cargo van. Developed in response to the US SUV boom, one indication that Toyota may make the vehicle is that it has been designed to fit an existing Toyota platform. For more, go to OurAutoExpert.com. I'm Nick Miles. Whether your kids are still in car seats or high school, Chrysler offers an entire lineup of family-friendly vehicles designed to make your life easier. And now, take advantage of great deals at your local Chrysler dealer. It's Animal Radio, celebrating the connection with our pets. We are with singer, songwriter, and elephant lover, Eric Burden. Can you tell listeners what timber elephants are? I've only seen film of them, and uh, they are used uh, like mechanical, uh, massive mechanical moving, earth-moving equipment, except uh, they pick up uh, timber, which is really heavy stuff, and uh, it's one of the heaviest woods in the world, teak. And uh, they put it between, they wrap their trunk around it, and they wedge it in between their horns, and they carry it around probably with uh, a lot more care than a, a, a mechanical beast made by John Deere would. That's amazing. But uh, I learned when I was in Germany, uh, I, I spent time in the zoo, living in the zoo in uh, in Berlin. And the, You uh, lived in the Berlin Zoo? Yes, I did. <laughs> That's amazing. How cool. Amazing. I I bet that was awesome. Yeah, I had a great time there. I learned a lot. I hated zoos before I went in there. I thought they were uh, prisons for animals. But um, indeed, they have to be kept separate from the, the, the general populace. But I found out that the Berlin Zoo was an animal palace. And they ate better than I did. The, 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 the big cats had fresh meat brought in like three times a week and I would sit, I was allowed to go in the butcher shop and see the system and I could walk around the zoo in the middle of the night when there was nobody else there wow. and uh, I would be up and awake after shows, after working on a movie, that's what I was doing there in Berlin and I would stay up till like five, six o'clock in the morning and watch the animals awaken to face the day and the human guests that were coming to, uh, you know, uh, hang around their favorite uh, species uh, and watching the lions coming out. And, uh, you know, they're really family creatures, really family-oriented people. They're people, animals. <laughs> yeah. Trump would stop calling the en- his enemy animals. It's a terrible name to be stuck with. Mm. We are with singer-songwriter Eric Burden, who has lent his name to an organization called The Elephant Project, and they are having an event this Thursday night in Santa Barbara at the Belmonte Encanto, am I saying that right? Encanto uh, Theater, and that's 800 Alvarado Place in Santa Barbara. We'll put all the information over at our website at animalradio.com. And uh, are you going to be there for that? Uh, Yeah, I think so. I think it's absolutely incredible what you're doing. And, uh, you know, you, you talk about it as lending your name like it's no big deal. But it's a huge deal. 
and uh, I salute you for this. And, and just to find out that you spent time living in a zoo, that's, that's a story <laughs> yeah, I'd walk That's awesome. With. Yes. <laughs> Write yeah, a book was, on that, Eric. <laughs> it was a magical town. It was a magical period in, in Berlin. Because in, I don't know if you know enough about Berlin, but the zoo is the heart of, of Berlin. The zoo is right in the heart of the city. All of the public transportations and everything, you look at the up and it says zoo, you know, the center, you know, the zoo. And uh, it was amazing that I ended up in the zoo. Uh, yeah, um, there was a place for me there that normally uh, zoology students uh, have uh, space there to live there and when they're studying the animals. And that's where, how I... I got a place to sleep there. It was incredible. Do zoos in different countries treat their animals differently? Like in Berlin, do they treat their animals differently than they do in zoos here? Well, let me tell you uh, that a couple of girlfriends of mine, uh, one being the wife of the uh, the boss of the zoo, uh, we took a, a gorilla, a baby gorilla, to breakfast with us in a restaurant across the street from the zoo. And the girlfriend that I had at the time had um, uh, long uh, uh, blonde hair. And the, as we were eating breakfast, the baby gorilla got on the back of her chair and spent uh, all the time that we were in the restaurant combing my girlfriend's hair wow. with her fingers, gently combing her hair. Wow. That was, that was our breakfast. Like she was grooming her. Yeah. Surreal. Yeah, it is. Wow. <laughs> Eric, what do you got on the musical horizon? What are you working on now? Well, I'm writing a book at the moment, but uh, incorporated in the book are lyrics, which will eventually become songs when I get time to go into the studio and pass my ideas along to my musician friends. So uh, as the book goes on, there, there are songs to go with whatever chapter I'm writing. And... Um, I see most things anyway in the form of, of of songs. I guess I guess rap is to blame for that. You know, I'm not a rap fan, but I understand that it's the music of today, and you know that and the guys who are rappers are just they're just talking in their language about what's happening in their world. They're just telling so, stories. It's like what yeah. you did in in the '60s and '70s. Yeah, well, that's what I'm doing now, <laughs> and you continue to do. Yes. Yeah, right. We'll look for the book. And, of course, it's not your first. There was uh, Don't Let Me Be Misunderstood. If, if you haven't read it yet, it's a great read. Pick it up now. And, Eric, I thank you so much for spending time with us today. Thank you. And uh, on behalf of my friends, may I say, <laughs> I want to thank Steve Dale as well as Alan Cook and Eric Burden for coming on today. If you missed any part of the show, you can head on over to animalradio.pet and listen or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone, Android, and BlackBerry to get your fix anytime you want, middle of the night, middle of the day, whenever. We're here for you. And we'll see you next week for more Animal Radio right here on this fine station. Bye-bye. Bye. Come on, Ro. We're going on a walk. This is Animal Radio Network. Network.